Episode 332, The Rant, Mike Smolens, Board 41 certified basketball official, former soccer coach, and former pro baseball umpire. We pull up to Great Neck, New York to speak to one Mike Smolens. In this pod, we discuss his love for sports early on, his versatility in playing a multitude of sports, including baseball, soccer, and tennis, how he got into umpiring at an early age, and how he got into his main passion in officiating right now, basketball. All that and more, my conversation with Mike, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by Long Island Legends U, the premier youth flag football league on Long Island. Calling all ages from four under to 18 and under, both boys and girls. Sign up as a team or a free agent. Expect pictures, social media posts, full game weekly highlight videos, and much, much more. Fall season for 2021 is rapidly approaching. Sign up today. To register, visit legendsu.com or follow us on Instagram at LILegendsU. Legends are not born they are created. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest live in his house at Great Day. Uh, Board 41 certified basketball official, also a former soccer coach as well as a baseball umpire, which I just found out just now. Mr. Mike Smolens, how are you, my friend? Good to see you, Ralph. Good to see you, man. So, um, it was about a month ago when we started doing uh, all those crazy tournaments and then kind of opened up the floodgates. Um, and, you know, to me, we're taping this uh, in early May and it's like in a weird time of the pandemic. But, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, um, what's it like now for you during the pandemic right now at this moment in time? Because I know you've been refing a little bit. Uh, you've been getting used to wearing a mask, being at Island Garden, going to Stepanak. And um, you're one of the few people that, that are refing right now. Yeah, I feel, I have to say, I feel fortunate that I'm getting to officiate now. Um, wearing the mask, I actually, at first I was wearing the gator that the NCAA sent us and I didn't feel so comfortable with that. But now with the Fox 40 mask, I have to say, I feel fine with it. And uh, been, you know, went through the high school this year for the first time and because my college season was so limited, I worked uh, BOCES for the first time in a long time. How was which, that? Which I enjoyed, I have to say. It was a lot different than I'd remembered it, and the basketball was certainly different, but I think everybody felt fortunate to be a part of it. When I talked to BOCES, they were looking for people to work. I worked a number of games with a lot of officials I hadn't worked with ever or in a long time. Mm. I certainly enjoyed it, and I think everybody feels good about being out there. I'd even say with the Catholic school in Long Island and then the Catholic school now working in the city, I think everybody feels fortunate to be part of something. And I think people maybe have a little 
nicer attitude about, hey, fortunate, let's be glad for what we have. And uh, that's definitely a positive. Yeah, definitely. And I think I personally have a different perspective on refing only because um, it it was taken away from us for so long. And then all of a sudden it just kind of sprang up and it came back. Do you feel a little bit differently from, um, you know, going back from March 2020 when we were kind of like in the thick of everything, you know, doing Catholic League games and doing college games. And then all of a sudden, I guess just the world stopping and then all of a sudden, you know, because I think it was very inexplicable, like late January when we found out that New York State was going to have something, especially in Long Island. Oh, yeah, it definitely it came upon us very quick that they said. And this with the Catholic school was all of a sudden we got an email and say, hey, in a couple of weeks, we're starting up. So I think we feel fortunate about it. I mean, there's two sides of it. First of all, I think uh, during the winter, being home with my family, I mean, I cooked more. I was home with my family for dinners more. I got to do more taking the kids places and stuff that I didn't have before that my wife had to do, uh, you know, a lot of that load. And I took on some of that stuff, which was nice and with my family. But also I'd say that I missed I miss the guys I was with, the the officials. I miss the camaraderie. I miss the drives, going with people. When I, the college games, a lot of times I'd drive with people or into the city up to Westchester. We drive together. I kind of miss that give and take, and uh, miss being part of something. And I certainly enjoy the officiating we have, and I'm glad to have it back, even partially. So. Yeah, man, I was going to say that the vaccine definitely is a game changer over here where it seems as though everyone has definitely tried to coexist with the virus. But I want to go back all the way in March 2020. I know for me and you, we were probably very deep into our playoffs. And, you know, it's like one of those things where you're so deeply entrenched in the season and now you're just trying to get a break. And then as everything gets warmer, but everything shut down in March um, I want to go back to those moments. First of all, how was your family holding up during this whole time of pause? Um, when was the moment that you took all of this like really serious? Oh, I think right away when they canceled, my wife is a teacher and both my kids are in school. And so when they, you know, made all the adjustments in school, had to, the students had to go remote. My wife teaching remote was certainly, you know, a big change and um, it was an adjustment. And I think all parts of our life have, we've had to challenge with adjustments and uh, do as best we could with things. And um, I think it's taught us all a lot about being able to adjust and do as best you can with situations. And, you know, it's so many new, uh, new challenges for all of us that we've had to adjust to. And hopefully it's something that we keep moving on and uh, things keep getting better. Now that you see that everything is kind of coexisting, do you think that um, if you had to make a prediction, when do you think everything's going to be back to normal? And I mean, no mass, there's going to be people in the, in the stands, or do you think that it's going to be a very long time before we get to that point? I, I don't know. I, I'm really not sure because I think a year ago I wouldn't have predicted where we'd be right now. Mm. And I don't know. I'll leave that to the experts. But I think things have will always be different. Things that we didn't think of a year ago, we're doing now. And just like 10 years ago, that there were things we didn't even, you know, wouldn't even had an idea about where we're doing differently. So things will change. I think this has been a life changer. And I think uh, we're just going to have to adjust to things next year and into the future. And hopefully we're able to make things work. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? Oh, I think, first of all, 
being thankful for what we have, being thankful for the health, being thankful for my family, the loved ones I have, you know, with me right here and having to adjust to not being with other loved ones. I mean, my father, I've seen once in the last year and a half now. Wow. I've seen him once as, um, and we're hopefully going to see him again soon, but that's been a challenge and, you know, him not seeing the grandkids and all those kind of things and not seeing friends nearly as much or seeing them, you know, sometimes outdoors and having to do that has been hard. So I think tr trying to be thankful for what we have and trying to adjust and making the best as we can and not worrying what we can't do, trying to make the best of what we can. Yeah. And, and I was going to say that, um, you know, I, I want to always thank you. I remember when I first met you, I think it was about three or four years ago now, I was at Island Garden and I remember you came up to me and you were very unassuming and you can't tell if somebody's really good at officiating until they start blowing the whistle. And I remember during the first time out, they were like, you, you came up to me and say, oh, you should, you should come out to the city. And I was like, oh, I, I already do. And I remember you always seem like the purveyor of, of people that have good talent that, you know, you're trying to find somebody that's homegrown and maybe they can get to the next level. But, you know, I appreciated those words and, you know, I wanted to thank you for your participation in my, in my, um, my, my tournament that happened about a month ago, because you really, you really helped me out. You were always ready to serve. And, you know, you could tell that there's a big passion that you have, even in, in your basement, you can see all of these different posters of different sports where it goes soccer and it goes some baseball and it goes boxing. So obviously you have such a very deep love of sport. Having said that, where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school and in college? Yeah. I mean, I grew up my my father was a sports fanatic. He was mostly basketball and he was a softball guy and things. Um, but my household was a lot of sports. My sister also was, uh, was an athlete. Um, I played in high school. I was a baseball and a soccer player. And baseball was truly my love as a little kid, but soccer started a boom with the Cosmos and one of my coaches was into soccer. So I really got into that. All through high school, played uh, baseball and soccer. And then in college, I went there with the idea of playing both soccer and, and baseball, but I played soccer in the fall, had a good season, and then they had spring soccer. So I just stuck with soccer and played there uh, for four years at Springfield College, which is a Division two school. Um, it was a lot different back then. I mean, we didn't have scholarships, and we played all – um, a lot of Division One schools. We played UMass, Dartmouth, Brown, University of Connecticut won the national championship and, you know, played teams like that. And uh, certainly enjoyed my college experience of playing soccer and, uh, you know, really enjoyed that whole experience of playing athletics. And still, I'm very active. I'm an active tennis player, playing a bunch of tournaments. I've played uh, softball teams and things. So still very much into, into sports. And that's been a big part of my life. Going back to when you were younger and you played soccer and you played baseball, I'm just trying to envision me as a kid. I know in baseball, I think the first time I ever was at bat, um, I think I got hit in the nuts and I didn't have any, I didn't have a cup. So that was it for me. Um, and just in around the neighborhood, we would just play basketball because, you know, you could play one-on-one, -on -one, you could play two-on-two. -two, so it was the most accessible game. Going back with soccer and baseball, what did you have more passion for at the time? And I know that you went further with soccer, but um, it sounds like, you know, I, I think when people have a deep passion for baseball, they really, really love it. At the time, what do you, what do you think you liked more? No, I think as a, a young person, I, I played both all the time. And uh, I, I think baseball also was something, it certainly was different back then that 
Um, we did pick up baseball. We would play second, third, and home, and we would play just a bunch of guys go to the park. No matter how many guys we had, we'd make a game of it and stuff. I was really certainly into into to baseball. It wasn't as organized with outside leagues and mm. stuff like that. It was different. And same thing with soccer. I mean, I was always one of the guys who we'd say, okay, Tuesday and Thursday we're meeting at this school to play to, to, to practice soccer and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll meet somewhere else and get a team. I mean, I organized the high school guys club was not, this was not a town for big in soccer. And we kind of started our own soccer club, me and some of my friends, uh, because we had some, some pretty good players and wanted to get other guys to play more time. So I was really a, certainly a, a dual sport guy who was into both whatever sport it was. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed sports immensely and, and continue to do so. You never got into basketball when you were growing up? Basketball, I was shockingly pretty short and I was not that great. I mean, I never played for the high school team. I did um, a couple of my coaches. One of my soccer coaches was a board 41 basketball official and my baseball coach, uh, Tom Casey Sr., was a big wig in board 41, was a college uh, basketball official. They got me started in officiating. Even when I was, uh, I, I would officiate like intramurals at, in high school and I would do in that to get started there. But that just gave me a, a touch of it. But uh, not, I mean, in the park, I'd always play pickup and stuff. But I knew where my bread was buttered. I was better at, <laughs> at baseball and soccer than I was at basketball. Going back to baseball and soccer, um, during that whole time, what was, what was your perception of officials uh, growing up? Even before that whole, you know, Board 41 experience and, and early on. But just talking about when you were playing soccer, when you were playing baseball, because, you know, it's a funny story. When I was uh, doing a baseball game the other day, the coach was just like, he just didn't like my strike zone. And I'm looking at him like, man, this is, it's like a weird confrontation in comparison to basketball. Because at least basketball, it's like, we got to make a decision now and, and then we got to move on. But baseball is like, everyone's watching, everyone's trying to figure out your interpretation of the strike zone. But you as a player, what was your experience with officials at the time? Yeah, first of all, I mean, my father was one of my coaches in baseball. And for the most part, my father was very low key, not win at all costs. And he was very respectful and not so much about winning and losing. I have to say, as a kid, I certainly wanted to win all the time. But I was never someone to argue with umpires, or argue with officials. I totally remember in soccer, I was usually the captain in soccer teams. And I remember one official in particular who I've officiated basketball with. And he did like with who's going to get the ball with a piece of gum in his hand. And I got to keep the gum. I remember. <laughs> I remember that. But I didn't. I don't think I ever argued with an official ever as a as a player as a coach, I got one yellow card in so many years of, of, of coaching high school and college and clubs. I was never someone who'd argue, and that started very, very early and continues to this day. Mm. Now, going to that coaching piece, I guess like once you were done with your collegiate experience, were you continuing to play other sports? And I know you still play now, but how did you get into coaching? Um, how did you end up balancing that? Well, I went to Springfield College in Massachusetts to be a physical education and a coach. A number of coaches from around here and the ones that I knew had gone to Springfield, and that was a place I was 
looking down south to go to school and to play soccer and decided at the last minute that Springfield was better for me long term. So I really went there with the idea of teaching. Both of my parents were, were teachers. Uh, my wife is a teacher. I, I definitely wanted to go into to education and I wanted to uh, coach. And I went there with the idea of being a teacher and coach and was fortunate to, to reach those goals. What made you think so long term? Because sometimes I think in the moment when you're, you know, thinking about playing so much, um, it's, it's really hard to look at, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. Yeah, I mean, one of the things was, I think part of it was naive in that my parents were both teachers. That's kind of what I knew. I knew what a schedule was. I knew it was something I enjoyed. I mean, my my mother was a pre-kindergarten coordinator, and I would go to her school and help teach the kids from time to time, help with their classes. I always enjoyed being a, a leader in my teams, being a captain. So I knew I kind of wanted to coach and I was a good soccer player. I mean, I had a couple offers to go down South and play, but I knew I was not going to make money coaching soccer, uh, playing soccer. Mm. And um, really when I, it came down to it, I, I visited Springfield definitely late in the game, but I thought it was a place that I would fit in and I, I really enjoyed it. And I think it really served me well as a place mm. uh, for me. I think a lot of people, especially for me as a basketball official, is interested to hear your whole totality of your experience as an official, because, you know, when, when people think about me, they think of multi-sport officiating and, you know, as much as I love basketball, there are other sports that I do love such as lacrosse, there's flag football, and of course, baseball that we talked off air. And I was very surprised of how far you went with the game of baseball. So having said that, just talk about your early origins of how you started officiating. Well, actually, with besides knowing uh, uh, Coach Casey and John Fober, who were coaches of mine who had officiated, um, I actually took at Springfield College. I took a class in first, um, I think, uh, officiating basketball and then I took a class in officiating uh, softball. They were courses I took for credit. And I actually made, when I took the courses, I actually made my schedules so that my classes would end at 2.30 so I could go to Massachusetts and Connecticut and um, officiate basketball from you know, middle school games and junior high games there and club games there for basketball and softball while I was at Springfield. And if I didn't have... Uh, if I didn't have soccer practice, I actually went and um, I was a, I started in baseball because I was a softball, I was ASA umpire up in Massachusetts. And I came down here to New York and I wanted to join ASA in Nassau County. And so I talked to the person, he said, okay, come down and you'll try out on Saturday. We have to watch you work. So the first time I went for try, it rained. And the guy said, okay, come back next week. And so went the next week and it rained again. <laughs> and I was like, I, it was mid-May and I wanted to start officiating. I wanted to make some money. I was a college kid. And I looked in Newsday, there was an ad for a Long Island approved umpire association. I called them up and they said, sure, just start. Here's your schedule. And I got some games and I ended up getting a, some baseball games. I'd never umpired baseball. Um, I got equipment and I worked a double header at North Shore High School, high school was like a, a, a college summer league with a guy named Mark Bowie, who had been a AAA umpire. 
And um, I worked with him, and he taught me everything. I knew nothing about baseball umpiring, and um, I really enjoyed it. And I came back from, I talked to him, and I was really enjoying it. I worked a couple other days with him, and I said, wow, how do you do this? Like, how did you get the AAA? He said, well, if you want to go to the major leagues, you go to an umpire school. And he told me, you know, there was an ad in the Sporting News, and I went and I told my parents I wanted to leave school and uh, in January and go to an umpire school. And at the time, Harry Windelstadt was one of the two umpire schools. My parents, I'll give them total credit. They said, as, you know, as long as you go back to school, you can do it. So I left after playing soccer in the fall. I left school in January, uh, went to Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, I knew no one and started to go to umpire school. And I was fortunate. I, I'd say the it's a five-week course, and there were 350 people there. I knew nothing about it. The only thing, I, I had talked to John Hughes, who told me to do everything the instructors uh, tell you and to get a shorter haircut. Because in the <laughs> 80s, believe it or not, you might know it from seeing me now, but I had I had pretty long hair. So I did that, and I remember the first day I went to a meeting and I looked around, there were all these people from down south in the Midwest, and I had cut my hair so you could see my a little of my ears, and I had the longest hair in there. Wow. So I went back to the hotel, and I went to the front desk, and I asked him for a pair of scissors. My roommate was from Iowa. I just met. I didn't know him at all. So I went into the, into the bathroom and cut my own hair. Wow. Did a terrible job. <laughs> and so the first day I had a short haircut when I started, and it was a terrible haircut. And a week later, actually, I went... And it was January in Florida. I was getting sunburn. And on Sunday, we had our first day off. And I actually went to a barber and got a haircut. And it looked like kind of an EKG in the back of my head. Looked terrible. But, um, you know, being at umpire school was incredible. I mean, they had everything that they wanted you to do. They told you exactly how they wanted to do it. Um, they talked about timing. And it's helped me so much in officiating how to carry yourself. I mean, rules, we probably had... I don't know, 1,200, 1,400 questions, and you you got tested every day, and you had to know every little part. And I was very fortunate that I that I made into professional baseball. And then once I made it, they uh, the season didn't start until after the draft in June. One of the instructors there said, "Hey, if you want to, if anybody wants to stick around, you can stay in Florida." And I asked my parents. I said, "Look, I can't go back to school because the semester had already started." So I stayed down there and I worked college games all over Florida. Um, I got to work spring training for the Montreal Expos. I actually worked a one major league game, which was pretty cool. But I learned so much there. And the more, just like in basketball and baseball, I was working every day, working with strong officials. I was working college games that guys I was officiating were my own age, but I was really learning a lot and that helped me you know, in my first, in my years in baseball. And uh, I truly enjoyed the experience in baseball. I was going to say that must've been like a, an experience on steroids, especially so early on when you're, you're umpiring people that are your age and you're just getting such great professional experience from, from doing so. And then just all that professional advice from all of these people. And, you know, it seems like that's always the great equalizer in officiating when you kind of just like unbeknownst, you don't even know what the path is and you meet all of these great people. Um, you know, I did want to ask just from a umpire to a basketball official, and we'll get into your basketball story in a second, but 
you know, I always feel as though sometimes I try to convince people to do baseball because there really is nothing when it comes to officiating. There's nothing that you can recreate when you're behind the plate and there's a, a fastball coming at you or a curveball coming at you because you have to make a decision quickly, but you also have to see the whole play through. And we talk about that in basketball, the start, develop and finish. There's no greater equalizer when it comes to being behind the plate and having a start, develop and finishing than a pitch that's coming to you behind the plate. Do you feel like that has been such a great benefit for you in other sports that you've officiated? Oh, I think I think no doubt. And I think in baseball, I think a great thing was that I'd only been officiating for one year because the way they wanted you to do something is have timing. The pitch comes in, you see it, you say it's a strike in your head, it's a strike, then you call it a strike. And then the one that you say it's a strike, oh, no, wait, the catcher dropped it, it's a ball, and then you wait. And having timing... And I know in basketball they talk about having a patient whistle. You can't put air back in the whistle and stuff. I certainly, as a basketball official, I try to be patient and see how things develop, see how long. And I would rather take a call late and get it right late than to any time blow a whistle and then say, ah, darn, I could have held off. And that's mm. one thing in basketball. I think the more film, I'm someone, I like to watch film of games, and sometimes I'll I'll watch a film and I'll know that there was a play that I was going to call a foul, I was going to blow a whistle and waited, and I looked and, wow, the game went on, no one said anything, no one blinked an eye, and it moved on. And that was that's really something I think that that baseball lends to so much and I think with all sports, I think that helps is having that timing and, and being slow and patient in your calls, I think, is, is a big benefit for everyone. Yeah, I would say that it's a great benefit, but it's also a, a very difficult hard sell when you try to tell people, oh, yeah, it's outside and you got to wear all this this stuff and it, you get dirty and you never know when it's going to end. <laughs> but at the same time, when I, like I said, I don't think there's a, any better thrill than when you're behind the plate and you're calling balls and strikes. But Getting to the basketball officiating part of it, I know for me it's a great thrill because, you know, in comparison to baseball, baseball you make a couple of critical decisions and sometimes the you already know if there's runner on first and third, you kind of already know what's going to happen. But in basketball, it's completely unpredictable and you make almost 200 critical decisions or critical non-decisions that you make over the course of a game. How did you start getting serious with basketball? Basketball... I have to say that I, after taking the course, I, 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 in college, I enjoyed it and started officiating right away with, I was in a board in Massachusetts and then transferred to board 41 and came here. I didn't as serious. I wish I would have known and all the leagues I could work and moving up. Um, but I wasn't because I was so involved in coaching and being a college coach. I was so involved in recruiting and all the other things that I had going on that I didn't uh, put basketball in the forefront. But I have to say that I started being, you know, very interested in being, a, uh, I wanted to be a strong high school official. I was only in board 41 and only did public school games here and then games for, for cause uh, in the Catholic league in Long Island. And really there were a number of people who helped me there. But um, later on, as I started officiating and I saw that, you know, working the, the junior colleges and the colleges and uh, the, the Catholic schools in the city, that there was so much more to do. Um, you know, it's something that I think as I go, I could work a game, I'll work a game on Thursday, 
and there's something that's going to happen and something that I'm going to learn or something I'm going to take from that game on Thursday that I didn't know in the 30-some-odd years I've been officiating. And I think that's a great thing that you can always keep learning and always keep getting better. And it's just a matter of having pride and, and wanting to keep improving. I was also going to say that, you know, you, you talked about your father and how much he's been such a, a, a big part of your sporting career and your, your officiating career. And, of course, Coach Casey, I would like for you to, if you have and you can, um, list any other mentors that you've had. What do you think they've done for your career and how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people after you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly, I mean, with in basketball, someone like Kaz, who's an assigner and for the Catholic schools, he certainly, you know, helped me. And I can't believe some of the games that he had me do. I mean, St. Anthony's used to come out to St. Dom's, Christ the King used to come. I mean, some of the Chaminade St. Mary's games were crazy. And I'm working with, you know, Mike McCluskey and Bob Testa and guys who were terrific officials. And I I don't know if I knew at all what I was doing there, but I give, you know, Kaz so much credit for giving me opportunities and really helped in my career and doing some terrific games there. I mean, some of the the guys, whether it's the Bob Testas, the Mike McCluskeys, the Doug Abrahamiums, guys that I worked with um, early on who helped me get get started going into to college. I know when I wanted to go to the colleges that I talked to Bob Testa about it, and I ended up um, going with him because high school all was two men then, and I was going to work three men, and I went with him. And I know Brandon Cruz was in it, who's you know top rated official now in the Big Ten, and I went with him and worked a scrimmage at York College and, you know, was picking their brains about things to do and stuff, which was great, and there's so many of people like that. And then, you know, with the colleges, you know, Jack Sweeney, who is the, the, the JUCO person and uh, also is in charge of the colleges now, um, Timmy McAleer, um, Terry Murphy does also work with the uh, – you know, with the, the colleges was great. And then, you know, John Letcher in the city who I started when I started working them, um, I hadn't, didn't really know him that well. And he gave me some terrific games and he gave me the opportunity to see what I could do. And that was great. And then Phil Salucio Sr., who I got to work with as a college official. And then, you know, he's the assigner in the Catholic League. And I got to, you know, I think all those people are people who gave opportunities. And like Phil, see, I learned something. I remember going up to a game and I was working with Doug Grant, who's a terrific division one official and Phil senior. We're going up to Manhattanville and we were going on the drive up there. We picked up Phil and in the locker room, Phil was going over the pregame and there was a team from Pennsylvania. We were playing and we didn't know him at all. And he didn't know us. And, uh, Phil said, okay, look, this guy from Pennsylvania doesn't know it. If we can, if nothing happens, let's see if we can't have the first call go for the guy from Pennsylvania, just so he knows he's going to get a fair shake. And, you know, I don't even think we looked at it or did it or anything differently, but it was just a thought, let's make sure a guy from Pennsylvania is going to get a fair shake, and or he feels he's going to get a fair shake from three guys in New York with, obviously we knew the Manhattanville guy right. very well, and that's something to think about. And I think those tidbits like that and stuff are so many people that have helped along the way that uh, really have helped me in my career. Yeah, and I was going to say that sometimes, I, I, like I said, I think you're really good at identifying newer crops of, of talent and you can 
you could see that they they could develop into something good. What what do you think um, after all of the things that you've learned from all of your mentors? How do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people after you? Oh, I think definitely, and I think you know there's little things. I mean, I'm very as an official, I'm pretty. I, I like to uh, prepare very well, and you know, I watch a lot of film, but in I will always have a pretty thorough pregame and such with people. And I think that's something that's important. And that's because I want to talk about things because I'd hate to have something happen and then say, ah, dang, that's something I was just, we were short-sighted in the locker room, didn't go over. And that's something I think being professional and prepared for things is something that's, you know, real important. And I think also with officiating something, let's face it, I want to work. Everybody wants to work Duke Carolina on a Saturday. And everybody wants to work a game that's better than the game they have. And there's no doubt about it. And in officiating, it's so subjective that it's easy for people to complain about it. I think you have to have a pride that the game you're working is the best game. That is the most important game at that moment. And for those players, that game is the most important at that time for that that coach and that team. Heck, if you want to work Duke Carolina, that's great. But if you're working CCNY Baruch, that is a real important game. Or if you're working Kellenberg against Chaminade, that's the most important game. And you know something? There's someone who would die to have the CCNY Baruch game yep. or the Kellenberg Chaminade game or mm-hmm. Christ the King, whatever it is. They would die to have that game. So you shouldn't be stuck on, ah, I wish I had a better game. You should be happy and working that game and just take as much pride as you can. And hopefully you get the big game down the line. But that game you're working, you got to take the pride that it is the most important game and you're going to be professional and do the best job you can. Yeah, that's such great advice. Sometimes I always find that sometimes when you hear these officials and they talk about, I wish I was at that game. You weren't available that day. <laughs> you know, sometimes somebody wants a game, but it's like it was their daughter's birthday or something like that. But I always find that a weird dynamic where in officiating, sometimes we always want what we don't have as opposed to being happy with what we are doing, because I think it's always a truly a blessing when you're on the court. Now, when it comes to basketball and baseball, you've had your first act in baseball and you went very far. And basketball, obviously, you've you found your your consistent happy place. Um what do you think that if you if you had to say, do you do you find one um, more enjoyable than the other? Do you find it like uh, just two different acts of your career? Yeah, I think they're totally different. I mean, baseball, I have to say, I, I think the reason I did well in professional baseball and that I got to be in the minor leagues, I was a good ball strike umpire. And that's where you, I mean, John Hughes said, and that's where you make your money is calling balls and strikes and I was good at that, and so that's how I made it to the minor leagues. I Three years was terrific, and I got out because I got a teaching job. I didn't think I was going to make it in the big leagues, and I think it was the right thing for me long-term to do. Um, but I have not touched a, a, a baseball, you know, umpiring um, since then. So that that's for sure. And I would say basketball is something that is a challenge. I certainly want to you know, keep working as high level game as I game as I can, long as my body, uh, you know, holds up as long as I can do it. I want to, I want to keep working and work the best games that I'm working to do as, as good a job as I can and take pride in that and being part of, you know, being a real good crew each time out there. So the coach feels, Hey, these guys worked real hard out there 
And then that's something to feel good about. It's nice that we get paid. It's nice that we have the camaraderie and stuff, but you really want to do a professional job. And, and that's something that's important. You don't miss uh, officiating baseball. You don't ever have any urges. Uh, I mean, I have to say time wise, realistically, yeah, after you I, get a load of basketball, yeah, I think, <laughs> uh, but also I think with, I mean, I was a college coach, you know, recruiting and going all over the place and doing things with that. And I would, instead of having a lovely wife, I'd probably have an ex-wife if I would have done uh, baseball also. So yeah. I think you have to know. And that's one thing about now that I have to say that's changed in officiating is um, like having Arbiter. That, heck, shame on us. If we take games uh, that we shouldn't have taken, mm. it's probably our fault because you could have blocked the day off yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, you need to do things for your family. You need to do things to... Uh, to try to to try to make it work and stuff with your with your family and with your loved ones with the rest of your life and stuff. So that's something that certainly has changed a great deal. And so I'm I'm certainly glad I stuck with basketball. And like you said, baseball. I mean, the biggest problems I ever had I had in Paintsville, Kentucky. I had because of the the rain, the, the oh. weather and stuff. And in the minor leagues, they didn't have tarps, and we had just a brouhaha where police escort to take us out in Paintsville, Kentucky because it rained and we called the game and I was a plate umpire. So I called the game that day and it started, it was a mess and uh, weather is not something that really you have to do in basketball. So that's yeah. definitely a positive. Yeah. And it, it always seems like uh, the time is short. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like one game equals two innings. <laughs> uh, but if, if you could officiate any other sport, what would it be and why? Um, I mean, I, I've officiated a little soccer. One time I was going, I just did a, touched on a little soccer, like in college, I officiate intramurals and, you know, I used to, when I coach college soccer, I would sometimes officiate our inter-squad scrimmages and stuff. But one time I went to a state cup game it was a high level game to recruit. And I was looking at particular, this goalkeeper told me he was playing in this match and that, um, I was going to look at him for our team. And I remember going to the game and I was there to watch and I knew both coaches and the official didn't show up. So I, one of the coaches came to me and said, Hey, would you, cause they didn't want to reschedule the game. Both teams had come from pretty far away. He said, would you officiate the game? So I said, sure. So I officiated and it was a, it was a good match and really high level. And during the match, the goalkeeper who I was recruiting had to know who I was. It sounds like a deep conflict ah, of interest. He was, no, and he was a pain in the neck. And he yelled at his teammates, and then he yelled at me. So later on, actually during the match, I gave him a yellow card. And his team ended up losing and stuff, and we ended up recruiting another goalkeeper who was a better goalkeeper. But I talked to the kid a couple of days later. I said, you know, what would you think about the game? Yeah, we should have played better. You know, I made a mistake and stuff. I said, let me ask, did you know that I officiated? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, well, you yelled at me and got a yellow card for me. You think oh, that was man. a good idea? Yeah, I know, coach. I'm sorry about that. It wasn't a good <laughs> idea. So I have to say that's the the, the last game I officiated. But I, I think soccer, I certainly enjoyed officiating, and, and soccer is a good thing. But I've had, I think that's, that's enough. What I've done, I think, uh, a time in my life, and as far as feel for it and such was was definitely a positive. You have an interesting dynamic because you've basically been through the gamut of just athletics in general. You've been a player, um, you've been an official, and you've been a coach. 
Um, how have you been able to balance all that stuff out, especially when you were being a, a soccer coach? And what do you think you like more? Do you think you like the, the coaching or do you think you like the officiating more? I like them both. I mean, they're both different. I mean, one thing about coaching is coaching, you have the emotion. You have, you're starting, you, the college coach, I would recruit, recruit guys and have them come in and see them develop and as a team, see your team develop and the camaraderie and uh, figuring out what players work work best where and who works best together, and then winning a championship is elation. Is and we were very we were very fortunate. We went to the Sweet Sixteen a couple of times. We went to the Elite Eight one time. I mean, those kind of feelings are fantastic. And long term, knowing the success my players not just on the field have, you know, make me feel real great as a coach. As an official, one thing that's different, big time, is that. A game is over. For the most part, it is over. Yeah. So the game, if there's a guy who's a pain in the neck, I'm not going to see him for another couple of weeks or I may never see him again. And I know that there was a guy on my team and every year the coach would say, wow, I just love that number 12. He's such a good player. You're so lucky to have him. And I said, you know, try to be with him every day at practice <laughs> and during 18 games. He's a pain in the neck. He can score goals, yeah. but he's a pain in the neck. Here... When officiating, you're with someone, you, the game ends, that's it. Drive home, you can watch film, you can learn from it, but you're not, there's not that part that stays with it and stuff. Of course, if you make a bad call, you feel terrible about it, that can stick with you. But 99% of the games, the game is over, it is done. And that's something that is so different. So I think they're certainly both different sides. I think the, the, the positive for me was as, as a coach it may be a better official and as an official it may be a better coach in that as a coach i i figured out that the officials don't really care who yeah. wins that you know that you're they're not in for me whatever this guy if someone makes a mistake they made a mistake i mean there's an official around here top top college referee refereed in the mls championships and if the college championship and he worked one of our games and he made a mistake, and it was a penalty kick, and it stunk, and we lost in the semifinal of our tournament and wow. stuff, and that was frustrating. And he is a nice guy, and he apologized to me, and I said, hey, that happens. What are you going to do? You know, I, I feel badly about it, but I know you didn't make that mistake on purpose, and that's something that happens. And then as a uh, as an official, I know something. I, I'm not someone to talk to the coaches and stuff before games or hang out because I know I used to go to Pennsylvania, Maryland, and I'd see an official talking to the home coach and they'd be chatting, chatting, chatting in the back of my mind. Am I thinking, wow, are these guys friends? Are they someone who, you know, am I not going to get the call because they're friendly and stuff? And as a, as an official, I do not talk to the coaches except to say, hello, introduce myself and that's it. And even this year I was working BOCES and one of my good friends, long time, hadn't officiated his team in probably 15 years that I had him. And during the pregame, I just, you know, fist bumped him and that was it. And so I'm driving home and I get a call from him. He says, Hey, are you all right? You know, you didn't talk to me before the game. I said, you know, the other coach I just met, I didn't want him to know we knew each other. I didn't want him to think that I was going to cheat for you and, and his team ended up losing. So it was a good thing. But, uh, I just, I would rather be that way, be seem more aloof than to be buddies with someone and have someone think, hey, 
this call is going to be against me because I'm I'm friends with someone. Mm, that makes that makes complete sense. I did want to touch on that Bosi's part. I know for me personally, I think this pandemic has, as you said, you got closer to your family. You were able to be home for dinner. Um, I feel like to me that might be a permanent change for me, where I'm going to be doing more Bosi's games. I'm going to be staying more local. Do you think that when everything is back to normal, you're going to be doing more localized games? And you're going to continue with with uh, doing Bosi's games? Um, I'll, I'll see. It's easy to say that now you're going to do it, but I think um, I'm going to have to figure out and see. I certainly enjoy like now the the higher level games are certainly more interesting, more challenging. I certainly like that part. I I really have to say I miss you know the the high high level exciting high school games in the city. Some of the JUCOs are tremendous games that really push you. Uh, some of the, the college games are games that really make you work. And, and I like work. I like that challenge part. So I have to say what I think I'm going to do is make sure that I try to be, uh, figure things out so I can have a balance in my life. I think sometimes, you know, you can be, Hey, you know, in January and February, I'm going to give up my life just for basketball. Right. Well, I'm going to try to to make sure that I can do both, have have my cake and eat it too, and have time with the family and stuff, but also enjoy. I mean, basketball is is short, and you want to do it where you can, and and try to do as much with you can. I'm lucky to have a very understanding wife, very very understanding kids, and uh, you know we try to figure out our schedules as best we can. Mm. After everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as an official? Um, I got to say, I'm a pretty even keeled person as a coach, as an official, I'm not so emotional. And I think that's something that's, that's helped. I think I'm relatively patient that I know let's, I, I want to officiate every game I can and want to do that. But I understand realistically your schedule is what you have. And those are the games you work, you under that you, you have to, to work and do as best with that. And I, I think I'm someone who treats every game professionally. I think someone that the game I'm working there, I don't care if it's a, a low-level high school game or the highest level if I'm working in the Geico Nationals and stuff and working Mono Verde, I'm going to try to do as best job as I can for that game, for those coaches, for those players as I can. And uh, that's something I think I take pride in. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go as an official? Uh, officiating. I mean, it's not for me about working at certain levels. It's about I want to work the the games I have, I want to do to the best of my ability. And that's what I want to do. I want to be a good partner. I want to be someone who, you know, there's so many good officials around. So it's tough. I mean, like, I remember officiating a game at St. Mary's, a two-man game. Some team from Buffalo came up. And Mike Nardone, who was just a kid. Never heard of him. Yeah, came in, and I'm working with him, and I don't, he really hadn't officiated that long. And man, this, when we started the game, it was going to be a really tough, tough game. And we were just on it, and we both felt so good about it. And we still see each other and you know, chat about it because it was so long ago. And so I don't, everybody's not going to be the Mike Nardones, but. What you're gonna do is you're gonna work as best you can. So if if I'm gonna be if I'm I want to be like I feel about whether it's Orrin Barfield or Joe Flick 
Okafor, Sam Bronstein, Jared, so many guys who I know that I'm going to work with, that I'm going to feel good about, that they're going to be a good partner. And that's who I want, who I'm working with. I want them to feel that, hey, Smolens is going to be a good partner. He's got my back. He's going to he's gonna mind his area. He's not going to reach for things that he doesn't have to get. He's going to be professional. He's going to treat me as I'd want to be treated. And uh, that's really what I'm looking at as far as officiating is concerned. I like that whole name drop. Those are some great, well-respected officials that I know in and around the game. Um, if you can uh, describe, what do you think is the most stickiest situation that you've ever had as an official, whether it be baseball or basketball? Yeah, well, baseball, no doubt. I mean, we had the, in Paintville, Kentucky, it was the second to last game of the season. And the team that had been winning by 20 games ahead with 11 games to play was now blowing every game. And we were in Paintsville, Kentucky, working a game and they were losing four nothing. And then all of a sudden they kept getting base hit, base hits. Now all of a sudden it's four, three, they had bases loaded. The best hitter in the league by far a guy who made the major leagues was up and it was raining. It was raining pretty hard. So in my head, I'm working the plate. And I said, this, this, I'm going to let this batter bat. And the manager came out to take out the pitcher and it was pouring rain. I said, okay, we're going to, we're going to stop. It rained for about an hour and a half. It was pouring, but then it stopped. And the, players for the for the home team went out in the field tried to diamond dry they actually tried to burn you put gasoline on the infield and set fire to it oh they wanted to play they really wanted to play they were doing all this work and stuff and it got to be it was probably about 12 30 in the morning and the the one guy who was the lead groundskeeper and there were two came to us and said okay we're, we're ready for the field and we walked out in the field my partner and i and the managers for both teams and the the field was terrible. It was still like a mess. And the manager of the Cardinals said, hey, just so you know, I want to win this game too, but I also don't want, if any of my players get hurt, these are prospects and we're going to have a problem. Yeah. So I said, okay, you got to, if we're going to play, you have to do this, this, this to the field. And the groundskeeper said, okay, that's going to take another hour and a half. And I said, okay. And that's it. So I, there were probably six people in the ballpark. I went to the press box and said, that's it. Game's over. And the players and the manager for the team that was losing chased us into the dugout and chased us down into the, into our, into our umpire's room, a player who certainly shouldn't have been there. He turned over, there was a big clothes rack in there and he turned it over and threw it on the ground and there was mud all over, so the clothes on that rack got all filthy. And he thought they were our clothes. They actually happened to be some other employees from the club. <laughs> and so finally we got him out of there. And then they backed up a police car and got us to the hotel and stuff. And then the crazy thing was the next day we had the same team again. And I talked to the commissioner of the league, and I said, look, we're going to that game. He said, well, we can switch. And, but there were three hour, the other crews were three hours away. And they were in Tennessee and we were in Kentucky. I said, no, we'll umpire the game and we'll keep it low key. And we worked the game and it was quiet and we didn't have any problems and we got through it. So that was crazy situation. And, you know, that was that was crazy. That's for sure. And but it was a neat experience and glad I lived to tell about it. And I was heck 2021 at the time. So it was certainly interesting thing. And then basketball, I mean, basketball is different. You have certain calls. It's, I've been fortunate to get to be at 
you know, on the, the Geico Nationals on ESPN, which is a little nervous being on TV and stuff like that. But I have to say, those things are tough. And I know I had like a Catholic League final one time where I made a call at the very end of the game and called the charge, and the coach chased me out and at the, with probably two seconds to go. I called the charge that took away the basket, and that was the end of the game on that play. And the fortunate thing was there were others, other officials there, but then they, you know, say nice things. But then the game was on TV and you could see that I got the call right. So Mm. it was good. So him chasing me down into the locker room wasn't so bad in the fact that I did get it right. But, you know, mostly they've been certainly great situations and it's yeah the challenges that make for good stories. But uh, really, day in, day out, working is, is the best part of officiating. Yeah, I enjoy the problem-solving of basketball. It's always something that there's a new conundrum that always continues to keep happening, and it doesn't matter how much experience you have. It just seems as though there's something that's going to find you. But um, having said that, if you can pinpoint what is your best moment as a baseball official and what is your best moment thus far as a basketball official? I mean, as a baseball umpire, I'd say my best moment is my first professional game that I ever worked. I guess, well, I worked one time in the a big league game, which was pretty cool in spring training uh, that I got to work. I mean, at the time, the Houston Astros had an outfield of Tony Scott, Omar Marino, Jose Cruz, Nolan Ryan was pitching. I was working third base, so I did absolutely nothing. <laughs> and But I certainly, that was really cool. And then to work uh, my first minor league game, I was in Pikeville, Kentucky, that I worked in my first game. And actually, Always happens in Kentucky, huh? There you go. Well, the league, it was crazy. I mean, there you travel behind coal mine, coal mining trucks and things. It was a different world. That was really neat. I, Jamie Moyer, actually, was the pitcher who had been a big league wow. pitcher. He was the pitcher in my first uh, minor league game that I worked. But I would say, you know, those games were, were really exciting. And then basketball, Certainly, you know, I've worked a bunch. I got to go upstate a few times for the federations, which was great. I've done some, you know, college playoff games that I enjoy, some real, and some of the junior college games. I mean, uh, Monroe, you know, JC would bring in these teams from all over that you'd play that were, you know, like Division One level games, and then working, you know, for for Phil with and and John in the Catholic League, and getting to work some of the nationals. Uh, Tournaments, games when you have, you know, Monteverdi against Finley Prep and stuff. That's a different world, but certainly are, are fun to work. Um, and those those are great moments for sure. I was going to say, man, you have such a blessed officiating career, man. I hope that I have longevity as much as you do. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm going to have to um, cut baseball soon because I, I don't know if I could take how, how long it is. But, um, you know, officiating has brought you so many different places. It's brought you far and wide. It's uh, got you a lot of sticky situations and good moments in Kentucky. And it's brought you all the way to the majors. And, you know, you still have a lot of longevity and you still have a lot of left in the tank for base, uh, basketball. Um, what does officiating mean to you? What has it given to you in your life? Yeah, I mean, it's given a lot of relationships. I mean, I talked before about so many guys and there's so many, you know, the guys in board 41, you know, I know this year I got to work with Chris Trentina and Joe Gaskin, John Grice, guys that I hadn't worked with that much in a long time. But I'd say relationships, getting to officiate with people, getting to know people and stuff. And I've got to say, like, you know, driving to games and, you know, you drive with Jeff Fox, you drive with Doug Abrahamian, you drive with, I mean, 
the late John Corso, who was such a such a terrific official and such a good guy, and certainly taught me, you know, a lot of different things. Getting to be with those guys and, uh, you know, being with them on the court, off the court, in the locker room and stuff. I think that's that's great. And I remember my first junior college game was with Terry Murphy, and I was really nervous, and it was. Queensboro Community College against someone. It was like a 25-point game, and I was with Chris Bailey and Terry Murphy. I was so nervous, and I get in the locker room, and I'm so glad that it's over, and I'm sweating. And Terry Murphy says, who's just a terrific guy, Division One official, he says, wow, Mike, you really messed that up. And I'm like, <laughs> holy cow, what did I do? I didn't know. He says, well, the U2 supposed to turn on the showers. Oh, you didn't know man. that? You didn't do it. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was smiling and laughing. And you know, those kind of good people that are involved in officiating, that is really nice. And I've been very fortunate. The people that I've I've worked for, whether it's, you know, Jack and um, heck, Timmy McAleer, I mean, they, they're professional and they treat you, you know, like good people and they want you to work hard. And I think, you know, that's something so many of the people I've met are really good people and I feel very fortunate for that. Yeah. Continued success, and hopefully, uh, you know, I really feel like next year we're going to have like three or four games together. I know it's going to happen, but I thank you for your time. This has been excellent to get to know you. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? No, I appreciate you doing this. I'm someone, I mean, I have to say that I love talking, officiating with people. I love listening to, you know, whether it's your podcast, there's other podcasts where people talk about officiating, I think is great. And I think... That's one thing I I started with um, doing some of the in Board 41 in Nassau County where officials want to be observed and you. Um, yeah, I always, I always hear your name when it comes to being observed. It's and, like Mike Smolin's watched me. Yeah, and I think that's something that I have to say because if you don't, you know, you have to be able to, to take it if someone, you know, tells you stuff. Yeah. And. And that's something, but I think, you know, being able to say it in a manner that's, hey, I like what you did here, but tell me what you were thinking there. And that's something I think I got asked about from baseball. That was early on that I got to be, how to be evaluated. And when someone tells you something, don't be a yeah, but guy, be someone who said, okay, and take it. Even if you don't agree with it, if they don't ask you your opinion, if your supervisor or a person evaluating is telling you something, you probably should listen because if it's important to them, it probably should be important to you. And I think when, you know, shows like this or, you know, any kind of area where they're talking about officiating is stuff you can learn. I know I heard Paul Toomey, I was listening to Paul Toomey and he was talking about something and that I hadn't even, it was the way an NBA did stuff that I found so interesting. Mm. And it's something I've been officiating for 25 years and had never even thought of this part of officiating and it was great. And I'm sure there's so many things out there that we all can pick and learn. And I think that's something that we want to be open to and uh, hopefully we'll all keep getting better and that's good for everybody. It's good for the game. Yeah. And I appreciate you being on the show that you got to be able to have a chance to tell your story and uh, continued success, Mike. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. For Mike Smolens, this is Ralph the Ref. This is the rant. We are signing out. Peace.